All right, looks like we are live, I think. Double checking here, YouTube, yes. Twitch, yes, it looks like we are finally live. Welcome, everybody, to Joe's Disc Golf Podcast with your host, Joe. That's me. That is me with the ever so cleverly titled Joe's Disc Golf Podcast. Yes, really thinking outside the box here, putting that creative sports medicine degree to use but hey you know what I, I do what i can i just like to have fun like to talk about disc golf sling some discs enjoy the outdoors just love 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 being outside and it has been some absolutely fantastic weather and i could not actually get out to enjoy the weather this uh past time because i was reminded of my mortality this past week. That sounds very grim, but it wasn't as bad as you think. And I'm still getting some uh, impressive uh, high fives from some of the boys on the baseball team that I cover and do sports medicine for when I slid into third base last week in shorts. Terrible, terrible life choice right there, let me tell you what. Especially when you think you cleaned it out really well and kept it slathered in triple antibiotic, and yet you still get an infection. You get to go to urgent care and get some antibiotic shots, some painkiller shots, and oral antibiotics. It's been a fantastic week, uh, which also caused my leg to hurt quite severely, and I was not able to get out and enjoy the good weather. However, on a positive note, I did get my match in and get my match play done. I am in the Sweet 16, and my leg is healed up enough where I will be able to play Thursday. I will be playing Thursday for my match play round. I'm excited for that. It's the Sweet 16. I'm so ready for this to happen. And as of course that I don't play that often, which will be exciting. My expectations are low in terms of um, setting standards. It's not like, you know, you go to your course, that course you always go to every single time. You're like, yes, I'm going to that course. And you know it really well. And you know that, oh, I, you know, I have to throw it this way. And if I throw it this way, well, I won't get the birdie look. If I throw it over there and I don't do this and I don't do that. I have no expectations going into this, which is good. Last time I had zero expectations, I ended up shooting a course record, allegedly, according to UDISC, and that's only people who were tracking on UDISC, but still, I shot really, really well the last time I had no expectations, so my expectation is to have no expectations, and I'll do well. This will backfire totally. But you can also catch that on Facebook Live. This will be happening 10 a.m. Eastern Time Thursday. That will be the 15th, I believe, um, and that will be on Facebook Live. It will be on the Fort Wayne Disc Golf page. You'll be able to find it, I believe. Someone should be recording it. You know, don't take my word totally on it. I will probably put out a tweet, hopefully with a link. Um, no promises on that. I'm not in charge of that stuff. That's not my forte. Uh, they've actually been doing a little bit of live streaming with some of the other rounds, some of the bigger matches that have happened in the past. And this week, they're trying to get a lot of the Sweet 16 live streamed. So it should be pretty exciting. It'll be the first time I play in front of a camera, which will be pretty entertaining. Should be a lot of fun. I have no problems in front of the camera. However, I haven't tried to disc golf in front of the camera. That is an entirely different set of circumstances altogether. I didn't hear any of you on that one. Anyway, too, enough about me, enough about that. We're here to talk about disc golf. 
and it has been an interesting week. We had the Vintage Open in Arkansas this uh, this past weekend, and I will say, even though he did not win it, James Conrad was looking like himself again. It looks like he's finally figured out that new putter. And when I say new putter, I mean that thing was just PDGA approved a couple weeks ago. I think he used that at the... Uh, he used that at the Lone Star Classic. I think that was the first tournament where it was approved. Not saying he didn't have his hands on one earlier than that, but, you know, there's something to be said about throwing it in a tournament versus just field work. So I think that uh, James Conrad is finally, like, kind of turned that corner, finally getting comfortable with his MVP bag and just ready to cruise on through. Now, I will get into Jonesboro in a little bit here, but I just wanted to definitely talk about how James Conrad is finally, finally turning that corner. I'm so excited. He's, he's one of my favorite disc golfers to watch. I don't know what it is about him. Maybe it's the long hair. Maybe it's the beard. Maybe it's the way he just has that bounce in his step all the time. I don't know what it is, but he's just a fun dude to watch. Like very technical woods golfer, but just so much fun to watch. So, so much fun. Now, moving into our first topic, USWDGC, US Women's, United States Women's Disc Golf Championship moves into the final event planning stages. This is some fantastic news. This is great. This means that this tournament will happen this year. It is happening in Sacramento, California. The USWDGC host team and the PDGA have worked in close proximity with the Placer and Sacramento County Parks Department. This means that they can run their tournament in accordance with local COVID-19 guidelines, as well as the PDGA guidelines. So who knows all those different guidelines, whatever's the most strict is what's going to take over. I'm assuming that Sacramento is going to have more strict guidelines than uh, what the PDGA has. Although if I remember correctly, uh, uh, the governor, Gavin Newsom, I believe, has eased some of the COVID restrictions. I think that has already gone into effect. Maybe it'll maybe it'll go into it. it if it hasn't gone into effect yet, it'll be going into effect by the time this tournament's going. However, who knows what all is going to happen? I mean, Texas basically opened wide right before Texas states and they followed the PDGA guidelines. So I, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, I think PDGA is practicing a little CYA, and I honestly can't blame them. I think that's a really good idea. I think um, they want to protect themselves, protect the players, and protect any spectators. So there may or may not be spectators here. I wouldn't count on it. Jonesboro looks like we've got some spectators. It's It's seeming like it's going to be limited. However, who knows? You know, we might see spectators here at some tournaments coming up this summer and that is exciting because let me tell you watching disc golf without spectators is kind of been weird watching sports these last couple months without spectators has been really really strange but you know it is what it is we got to do we got to soldier on and keep a stiff upper lip we're now in britain but as I mentioned, the tournament will follow the PDGA best practice guidelines, which you can find on the PDGA website. They are so much fun to read and so interesting. And it's just like, man, if if I 
am having a hard time staying awake, I open up the PDGA COVID-19 guidelines because that is a page turner. And I can stay awake for an extra five, six seconds. It's really, really good reading. More information will be coming uh, over the next couple couple weeks. That's the that's the norm. Typically, uh, about four weeks out, they'll give you they'll give their um, thumbs up, thumbs down, whether it's going to go on or not. Two weeks out, they'll let you know exactly what phase and what the restrictions will be. So we have a couple weeks to go here. The tournament is set for May 21st through the 23rd. So I would expect somewhere around May 7th ish that week that we will find out exactly what kind of phase we're going through here what to expect and and how this tournament is going to progress it's it's going to be fun it's going to be interesting i think i want to say disc golf network will have some coverage on this i can't recall off the top of my head but i can you know what i can actually look it up because i have the internet and i just want to see if we're going to be able to get some coverage there and I can't remember everything off the top of my head. I know that they're covering Jonesboro. We've got U.S. Yeah, United States Women's Disc Golf Championship, Orangevale, Rockland, Auburn, California, Sacramento area, will be live. Every everything, according to right now, Disc Golf Pro Tour, Disc Golf Network is planning on covering this. So things are are going to be you know interesting here. We've got. Uh, they haven't confirmed that far out yet is basically what I'm saying. So we'll see what happens. The, le- the next thing that they have, the, the latest thing that they have there is the OTB Open in Stockton, California, which was formerly the San Francisco Open, but event change, venue change financially makes sense. But that'll be exciting. We'll get a whole bunch of great FPO coverage, get some lead card, get some chase card and it is going to be an exciting time. I can't wait to see what happens there. It's going to be, as I mentioned, very, very, very exciting. Now, what else do we have to talk about here? Let me pull up what is on the docket here. We have, ooh, moving on. We have the college national championship. This is the disc golf college championship. This happened this past weekend, bit overshadowed by the vintage open college sports being outshined by pro sports what since when who knew i mean that's exactly why college football plays on sundays too right like that's that's exactly why there's lots and lots of excitement that happened at this tournament we actually missed out on some good stuff here i believe there is post round coverage up there the tournament lasted four whole days north this was at uh in north carolina north cove disc golf and Social Club uh, look like a fun course. Um, if I ever get out that way, there are a lot of courses I want to play. Most of them are on the Pro Tour because, well, duh, there's a good reason why they're on the Pro Tour. They're very fun courses like Delwood, uh, uh, not Delwood, um, Clash of the Canyons. Um, that is a great course. Canyons Disc Golf Course at Delwood Park in Lockport, Illinois. Silver Series is being held there, but it is still a fantastic course. I mean, that's it's a lot of fun. Go out there. They've got shorts, mids, and longs. I highly recommend getting out there to see it. Back to the College Disc Golf National Championship, the CDGNC. They also sell health supplements there. In the men's D1 flight, uh, there was 
a ton of excitement, and they could not figure this out in regular coverage. They had to go to a sudden death layoff. Davis York won the individual, also nailed an impressive sudden death putt. He was able to bring home the bacon for, I believe it was Georgia. Uh, I don't have that information right in front of me at this time. I did not write that down because sometimes I do dumb things. But hey, you know, we all do dumb things like sliding on a baseball field in shorts. You know, that's just not a specific thing there that happens. We've also got on the women's side, Tina Halfaday and Rachel Dupree won the women's D1 by 12 strokes. Not even close. Those two ladies cleaned up crazy well. Whitney Brown won the individual women's beating half a day by four strokes. That is some excitement right there. I am excited to see Tina and Whitney if they decide to turn pro. I'd love to see what they could do out on tour. I think it would be pretty exciting to see how they all handled the pressure, how they handled the life out there. Because let's be real here. Any of us can go out and shoot well on a tournament just for a weekend. However, the real challenge is shooting well that weekend, driving your butt halfway across the country, getting a few practice rounds in, eating, sleeping, drinking water, plenty of water, doing your laundry and all that fun stuff. And then, oh yeah, don't worry. I also have to make a living and play this game of disc golf while living out of my van. Well, and don't get me wrong. Van life looks pretty cool. Like if I could do it over again, maybe I'd try to do that. I'd you know, try to spend more time practicing and actually getting better at disc golf, so I could do that, but that's a whole different story. I think, uh, I think that's, uh, that'd be a lot of fun. I think it'd be great to see if those two ladies, if those really, those, the top couple ladies that have finished there individually, to see how they would do, how that would just add to the depth and add to the excellence of the FPO field. I think one thing that is lacking, and I've mentioned this before, on the FPO side, there's there's not as much depth, unfortunately. And no offense to the other ladies who are out there, but once you get past the top like five to ten players, it just it drops off the skill level drops off fast. Where at the men's it's a little more gradual, but if you look at the registration, like Jonesboro is a great example. Jonesboro has a hundred and twenty MPO players. On the FPO side, I believe it's forty. So the men have three times as many people. They're better there should be better competition just by the numbers. You've got three times as many people on the men's side, so there better be better con uh better competition. But I digress, and we should move on to the Jonesboro Open 2021 being held as it traditionally is in April instead of October, which is when Jonesboro 2020 happened. So of course. The normal pros are showing up. Your Paige Pierce, your Katrina Allen, Paul McBeth, Ricky Wysocki, all those different people. So if you don't recall, way back in the far off time of October, when we were all having fun and celebrating Oktoberfest and drinking plenty of Sam Adams, there were several people who weren't partaking in the celebrations just yet. This is the top three finishers for MPO. We had Garrett Gerthy finishing out third with a very impressive 2,500 par. Paul McBeth was in a neck and neck battle 
managed to just pull out that second place victory with a 30 under par. And our winner for this tournament was Calvin Heimberg at 31 under par. Very impressive job there, gentlemen. Uh, it was very exciting to watch that last year, even though it was a bit different. Our top three FPO players, third place was Haley King at 16 under par. Second place was Katrina Allen, 20 under par. And to no one's surprise, dominating the FPO side was Paige Pierce at a whopping 33 under par, taking first place by 13 strokes. 2019, a slightly different story. Third place was Chris Dickerson, 22 under par. Garrett Gerthy was second at 24 under par. And Paul Macbeth was our champion, 27 under par, taking first place by those three strokes. On the FPO side, we had Paige Pierce winning it at 17 under par. Katrina Allen right on her heels at 16 under par. That was a fantastic battle between the two. And Hannah, Hannah Blumroos, Blum, Blumroos is 13 under par, solid showing for third place there. Moving all the way back to 2018, we have in third place, Eric Oakley, 27 under par. We have Garrett Gerthy showing up again, second place, 28 under par. Garrett Gerthy, always a bridesmaid, never the bride. Hopefully this year he can pull something out. And our winner from 2018 was Ricky Wysocki at the 30, 32 under par. On the FPO side, we had Madison Walker and Jennifer Allen tie for second at even. Paige Pierce absolutely dominating at 10 under par. Jonesboro is going to be a very, very exciting time this year. I can't wait to see how this goes. I'm wondering if Calvin can put on another stellar showing. I wonder if Garrett Gerthy can actually pull something out. He has been kind of quiet recently. I think he'll be able to pull a little something out here. I think I think he'll be able to get something going, get a little, get something on a roll here. As well as Paul Macbeth. I mean, it's Paul Macbeth. He's going to do a good job no matter what. I think he'll he'll pull everything out. Eagle McMahon was always in the top five for these for the last couple of years. And I think he has... I want him to pull his head out of his butt. He dominated at Waco and then just, I don't know what it was. No, sorry, Las Vegas. At Waco, he shoved his head so far up his butt, he used his large intestine like a wizard's hat. And I say that with all the kindness in my heart. I think he just, I don't know what it was. Something got in his head. Maybe it was that, I mean, it was a dominant victory at Las Vegas. Between the wind and everything else, I think it just got in his head and he just, Hasn't really quite recovered, but I'm thinking here at Jonesboro, he's had some stellar showings in the past. Again, never winning, but I think that here he's going to manage to pull it together. Which brings me to my skip ace predictions. Yes, we've got some skip ace stuff going on here. On the MPO side, I've got my four picks, and this is in order of how expensive they are in terms of rating. Now, I did have one order set, and then ratings came out, and that changed everything. Well, it didn't change everything. It changed a few things. So, in my top spot, my most expensive player, Paul Macbeth, because Paul Macbeth. Now, my next player, my next most expensive player that I have is 
someone I think can pull it out. I want to say Garrett Gerthy can pull it out this year. I think he's he's clearly the last three years he's had some stellar showings here. Again, hasn't won it, but he's put up some pretty nice, impressive scores here. I also have James Conrad. I know I'm picking I'm picking James again. I'm really hoping that James does play like I saw. There were sparks, there were flashes. It was impressive to watch him at the Vintage Open. Now, I want him to carry that momentum forward, keep it going into Jonesboro, into the woods, and into the basket. My last person is Brody Smith. I've been following him on Twitter for a little while here, and the way he's been posting recently, he feels like he's close to turning the corner. He feels like he's right on the edge of his next major jump. And I'm just going to I'm going to take a chance on this one. I'm going to take a chance that Brody Smith is going to break out a little bit here. I think that's very possible. Now, on the FPO side, my two picks are Jessica Weiss. She's a very solid, solid disc golfer. And I'm going to stick with uh, Kona Starpanis. I needed someone who is a little, little more, a little, uh, she's inexpensive. I'll put it that way. Her rating did go up, but because of all the rounds that she's had in the past, it didn't go up as much as I thought it would have. However, I still think she is a bargain right now. I think she is playing much better than her rating indicates. So I think you'll be able to do well there. Obviously, if you got the points, if you want to, instead of taking, you know, James Conrad, you want to take someone even lower down the down the list there, you can save some points and get maybe, uh, I don't know, Valerie Mondahuano or Paige Pierce, clearly. Uh, get Miss Allen. She would be a good choice, too. Now, I wonder how, uh, speaking of the ratings update, how did ratings update treat all of you? Treated me decently well. I jumped up six points. I am back over 900. I'm at 901. So excited for that. I can't wait until August. I have a couple ratings that will drop off and that will be good. I honestly can't wait until October because I have a rating. I have one rating that's like 840 something and I'm just like, please go away. Please leave me alone. I had an opportunity to play this Friday, this past Friday, but with my leg being all jacked up, I did not need to tank my score. It was a flex start C tier, and it's at a course I know well, but when you can't brace on your forehand, and you're generally a forehand dominant player, that makes things rather difficult. So I decided to skip that in order to save my rating. However, I do have a tournament coming up June 5th, the Fort Wayne Outfitters Open, which will be held uh, a bit different this year. Now, in years past, the Fort Wayne Outfitters Open has been a fantastic, oh, the temp course is amazing. I love their temp course. It is, it's got some big bomber holes. There's some OB that comes into play. There's a few trees that just get in the way, and it is just so much fun. And I'm not saying that because I shot the hot round last year on that temp course. I'm saying that because it is just genuinely a fun course to play. However, this year they're only going to play the uh, permanent course with two added holes and then make you drive a little ways to a different course to play your second round, which is Shelf Park. It's fine. It's fine. But I miss, and I get it, it's a logistics thing. They had a really hard time trying to get everything together this past fall. This tournament has moved from the fall to the spring. 
and something tells me that the timing has to do with probably a home baseball and or softball game and that would be my thought is that there's just too much concern for issues with discs flying around the both fields uh there shouldn't be but you never know what's going to happen could be a very breezy day and pick something up and send it over that that is that but i you know uh, i i just mm, i don't know i don't know it just it makes me it makes me just sad that that's not happening now i did get i did get a question of what do the flight numbers mean in disc golf what what do all those numbers you'll see four numbers and they're from they they range they all vary in different ones so i want to just take this time to spend a couple minutes talking about each number and what it means now the first number is your flight number is your speed number sorry i got too many things on my mind right now this is how each company rates their discs from 1 to 14. 1 is going to be like your putters. 1, 2, 3, basically putters. 4 is kind of getting in that weird putter mid-range area. 3 and 4, it's just, it kind of, there's a little crossover there. It gets, it gets weird. That's, then you go 3, 4, 5, 6 is again kind of a crossover where um, you're going from a mid-range to your fairway drivers or control drivers, depending on what company you listen to. It's the, it's two different names for the same thing. That will go up to about mm, 10, 11, somewhere in there. Again, kind of depends on the company. And then you'll go up to 15, which I don't, um, I believe the, uh, the only two discs I know that are 15 speed were the Mislin and the Rakuten. Otherwise, Innova had the 14-speed Colossus, which I did buy. Back in the day when I didn't really know much about flight numbers, I thought that first number meant it will go farther, but it doesn't mean that. So those are all the numbers. Everybody bases their numbers based on how thick their rim is, how wide it is from the bottom of the flight plate to the edge to the tip of the, the end there. And that is basically how wide it is for based on the maximum allowable width for the PDGA. So that is kind of how that works. And generally speaking, the higher the number, the wider the rim. That's just how they all measure it. That's, that's pretty much how it goes all the time. Now, the first number, your speed number, is you have to throw this fast to get the disc to do what the rest of the numbers say. Or if you're looking at a flight chart, if you don't throw it, at a if you don't have an arm speed of 10 that 10 speed disc your musket isn't going to fly like it says if you're slower than that then it's going to be far more stable than the numbers indicate if you are um, throwing harder than that it is going to fly more like that or even understable even more understable so that's kind of how that number works i like to think of it as throw me this hard to do this it, that is your that is your speedometer. That is your gas pedal right there. If you can't throw it this hard, it it doesn't make a difference. Now I'm not saying that it wouldn't have a place in your bag. I have a, I believe it's a 14 or is it? Yeah, it's a 14 speed. I believe the stiletto is a 14 speed disc. It is 
pretty overstable, but I never throw it that hard. So it is even more overstable. And I use that a lot on forehand shots that I need to get around a corner. Or I have thrown it very rarely on a backhand shot, but I will kind of do that. And that's that's just how that goes. So that is your speed. So when you're first starting out, when you're starting to learn, stick with a three, maybe a four speed tops. If you're coming from an ultimate frisbee background, you could probably get away with a higher disc, higher speed disc. But I still recommend starting with a putter or a mid-range something understable that will help teach you proper form. If you go too stable, you can get away with a lot more and it just, it won't be good. So that is the first number. It goes one through 14, 15, varies a little bit company to company. One of the big things that I forgot to mention right off the bat is you cannot compare flight numbers between companies because they will use different numbers in some cases and their testing methods are completely different. Now, some of that has to do with just where the companies are located, where if you if you throw a disc at elevation at, say, 4,000 feet, and you throw that same disc at sea level, it is going to act completely different because of the elevation change. As you go up higher, it's going to get uh, more understable or less stable, however you want to define that. So kind of also depends on where that company is. We'll let you know what it is. So if you're like, Oh man, these Discmania discs don't fly anything like the numbers say. Well, if you live in, I don't know, Colorado, yes, everything's going to be more understable than the numbers say. If you think, hey, whatever discs I'm throwing, yeah, that seems about right. Those numbers are right. Then you're probably living close enough to that elevation where they did their testing and that's what it is. Now that second number in there. So the first one is your speed. The second number is your glide. So this is how well your disc is going to stay in the air after you throw it. So the higher the glide number, this is generally um, a lot of companies go one through five, some go one through six, some go up to seven. I think Innova goes up to seven. But as you go through, that's that's just kind of what that means. It's how good is it going to stay in the air? So I have a disc. I have one of my discs that goes one of those that just goes surprisingly far is the dynamic disc bounty i believe it's a five five minus one and a half a half or something along those lines either way the glide like i i feel like it's one of those discs where i don't put a lot on it i say i throw like 40 percent power tops and that thing will just keep on going and i just keep watching it going wow and then i watch it cruise past the basket and go wow and then it goes another 50 feet and I'm going, please stop. Oh, you went out of bounds. Great. Great. That's exactly what I wanted you to do to just keep on going like that. But that thing has so much glide. It just, it doesn't take much. Just keep it in the air to keep it going. So if you want to get more distance, you're going to want something with more glide. Generally speaking, there are different cases where that's not going to, you know, it's not going to change much. So that was our second number. The glide is pretty self-explanatory bigger the number the more the glide the farther it will go second one is the turn this is your high speed turn this is rated from a plus one to a negative five i know it doesn't make any sense it it i don't get it so this is the tendency for a disc to turn to the right based on a right hand backhand throw 
So if you're a lefty or a forehander, this is based on going to your left. It will re it'll it'll be the tendency to go left. So if you have a plus one, you can turn that thing over and throw it on an Anheuser line at 45 degrees, and it's still gonna fight back. These are your very overstable discs. If you're looking at a zero or a one or a positive half or even a negative half, those are your very overstable discs. Those are the ones that you're going to want to throw into a headwind because those are the discs that will fight in the wind the best. They're going to resist all that change to that, that the wind is trying to push onto that. So this is at the beginning of the flight, though. So this is the first half, give or take. How straight is your disc going to fly? How much is it going to want to turn to the right? Now that bounty, I said, has a minus one and a half turn. And dynamic discs, I believe, all, they go to three or four. Or do they go to five? Uh, I think they go to three. Off the top of my head, I can't remember. I'm trying to remember everybody's rating systems here. And I believe that they will... With that one at one and a half, I really, I have to get it hyzer flip. So I will throw it at somewhere around a 30 to 45 degree angle down and it'll flip up to flat and it'll even ride a little bit to the right. And then it'll kind of finish straight because it only, it has a fade of 0.5. So that is what we'll talk about next. But the turn is how resistant your disc is to the, uh, to turning to the right on the initial part of your throw. So I'd say like the first half tops, tops. So as it slows down, it's gonna to turn to the left more, assuming you are a right-hand backhand thrower. If you're a lefty or a forehander, flip it around. Just how it goes. Sorry, guys. I'm, you know, I'm talking to myself here too, forehander. Now, um, a good roller disc will be like your minus four, minus five, something like that. Something where you can throw it flat and it'll just turn over and roll and keep going. A good hyzer flip disc will be somewhere around minus one to minus two, maybe minus three, depending on your arm speed. Now, obviously, this is all dependent on that first number we talked about, the speed. How hard do you have to throw it? So if you have a slower arm, you're going to want something with a little more glide and closer and, and a, a more negative number. That will help you out more. And then as you get faster and faster with your arm speed, you'll see how it acts better. Now, the numbers are great, but I highly recommend looking at a flight chart. Those are probably the best way that you can get that. And a lot of companies do where it's a beginner and an intermediate and an advanced player. So you can kind of figure out where you are, what your skill level is, and see how the flight can be very different very surprisingly different based on how hard you throw the disc. So we've talked about the speed. We've talked about the glide. And now we're going to talk about the turn. Now we talked about the turn. We're going to talk about the fade. Not to be confused with the turn by uh, Discraft, Disc, disc Mania. Oh my God, that thing is crazy overstable. That was so much fun to throw. That would be a turn of probably a plus four. I'm not even joking with that. It was ridiculous. Anyway, who we're going to talk about fade. So low speed fade. So as your disc is finishing, what's it going to do? This is rated from zero to five. So zero is going to be straight. Whatever, whatever line it's on, it's going to finish straight. 
So my bounty that is a 0.5 is pretty much if I let it go and it starts banking slightly to the right, it's going to just keep doing that the whole time. It's going to keep doing that. It's going to finish flat and it's going to finish straight. Again, zero to five is how it goes. I have a lot of my discs like my enforcer and my felon, not my felon, my forcer, my stiletto. Those have four and five fade respectively. So as your disc finishes, how hard is it going to dump to the left on a right hand backhand throw? How hard, how bad is that hook? How much of a meat hook is this thing? Justice is like a glide three fade four or five. So I love that disc. It's a great disc. I can work it and do a whole bunch of fun stuff in the woods. Um, it is exactly what I want to do. Um, but that's a whole different thing. So the more a disc has for fade, the better it is for different things like a spike hyzer or a skip shot. So there are times where you're going to throw this in high up into the air and let it come down and crash and just plant itself in the mud, plant itself in the dirt where it's just going to go and stop. Sometimes I've had it where it comes in at a steep angle. It does like a somersault rolls around in a circle and then flops down. It really gets entertaining after a while. However, sometimes you don't want that. So you're going to want something with less fade. You're going to want something maybe like the bounty where it finishes straighter. There are other discs. Um, I think the sheriff has a two or a three fade. The trespass is the same for dynamic discs. These are, again, I bring dynamic discs up a lot in Latitude 64 and Westside Disc. That's what I throw the most. That's what I'm the most familiar with. But insert disc golf company, everybody has those kinds of discs. The only one that I would say like nobody else makes yet is the turn. Yet. But that's a whole different st uh, shot uh, story. So there are times when you want that. There are times when I had, before I lost it, rest in peace, my triple X. Um, that had a pretty solid, it was a lower speed disc. I think it was a seven or eight. And it had a zero turn, I want to say. And it also had like a four fade. I think it was a four fade. And it, I would get it. And that was my shot that I would use on the woods for some of the holes where I had to go to the right. So it'd be a forehand shot. I had to go to the right, tight woods. But I'd get it and I'd skip it off the ground because I could get that. Because I knew the fade was strong enough to pull it kind of towards the ground and skip it up and rung it off the cage several times. Never got it to stick. Never, ever got it to stick, but that that is what it is. Those are the numbers. So again, speed is throw me this hard to do this. To do whatever the rest of the numbers say, you have to throw me this hard. And the only way you're really going to get to know if you have an arm speed fast enough for that is borrow buddy's discs. Borrow someone's disc and really pay attention to the flight. Go, all right, I'm going to throw this mid-range. Okay, that flew, uh, you know, this five-speed. Yeah, I have at least a five-speed arm. Let me bump it up to eight. No, I don't quite have an eight-speed arm. This disc should have finished pretty straight, and it was hyzering the whole way, and I let it go on a flat release. So that's kind of your indicator there. Glide is glide. Is glide. Bigger the number, the farther it's going to go with less effort. Turn is how resistant it is to that initial high-speed turn. So remember, it's going to go. How much does it want to go, go to the right on a right-hand, backhand throw out of your hand? How fast? Now, again, a lower number is great for hyzer flips. You'll get some great distance out of there, especially in the woods. 
finally you have your fade just talked about that how hard is this thing going to spike into the ground not only that you do have to pay a little bit of attention to how the plastic affects the disc that's just that's how it goes now with your base plastics generally that is going to be more stable than normal however they beat in the fastest and they will become less stable very quickly your premium plastics will have better wear. They'll be a little less stable than your base plastics, but not too bad overall. That is pretty much how that goes. And you can find a list on every company's website what what is what. So that is all I've got for today. Thank you all for watching. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for sending in your questions. You can send those on Twitter, on Instagram, DMs, or at me. It's fine. At Joe's Disc Golf. It's great. Love chatting with everybody. Hope you all have a great week. Let me know what you think about the time change here. Thinking about switching to the evening for a couple streams. Seeing how that goes. Maybe you get a few more concurrent viewers. Who knows? Turns out streaming at 9 in the morning Eastern time is only great for people in London. And yeah, it doesn't seem like there are many people in London wanting to listen to me talk about this golf. Hopefully here in America. America. We're going to get more disc golfers. Hopefully. Who knows? Thank you all for watching. I've been Joe. You've been awesome. Hopefully, you thank Treesis next time you get a great tree kick. And don't forget to reflect a little bit if you get kicked deeper in the woods. So thank you all for watching. Hope you all have a great day. I've been Joe. You've been awesome. Take care.